Show. Welcome. Glad you're here. A lot of good stuff in store today, including a visit with uh, our friends from the Knife Media during the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to go over the big stories of the week and the spin and bias that they're reported with on all sides. Interesting. Um, Not a particularly partisan discussion at all, just to look at how the media works. Um, And we have a lot of fun stuff, silly stuff as well. Uh, What follows will be uh, slightly more serious. Speaking of spin and bias, I thought this was interesting. New York Times last night. You know, the, the rest of the country is behind the West Coast on the Stephon Clark shooting in Sacramento. Um, took them a while to catch on to it, so they're, like, lagging and everything. But um, New York Times, Stephon Clark and the Golden State's shameful secret. It's an op-ed piece from someone. But listen to this. This is all factually true in this opening paragraph. Mm-hmm. But you tell me this wasn't written designed to inflame things. To inflame tensions, to make people angrier and more suspicious. Okay. Even though it's all true. Stefan Clark, 22, was unarmed when the police. Let me start over. Stefan Clark, 22, was unarmed when the Sacramento police came upon him in his grandmother's backyard, shot him eight times, mostly in the back, and killed him. That is it's unbelievably tr- irresponsible. It's true. It's yeah. all factually true, but mm-hmm. it's just, y- you can't tell me that wasn't designed to make it sound as bad as possible and make people say, oh my God. Beyond any argument. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Take a fragment of the truth, turn it just so, then light it from over here. That's what they did. Well, it's, you know, it lacks context. Now, they fill in a little context with the next few lines, but, you know, you've already gripped people with that. The two officers officers were responding to a report of car break-ins. The tragedy became California's latest addition to the long list of high-profile law enforcement shootings of unarmed black people. But to me, a native of the state, Mr. Clark's death on March 18th was also a reminder of one of California's best-kept and most shameful secrets. In a manner that belies its liberal reputation, day-to-day life for generations of black residents, there has long been shaped by discrimination and inequality. And then they get into that um, based and, on the opening of this uh, this article. And the Stefan Clark shooting shows that somehow. Right. Okay. Came upon him in his grandmother's backyard is a really irresponsible way to say that. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't it something? Wow. wow. So, And if you didn't know much about the story, and you probably wouldn't around the rest of the country, you'd just think, oh my God, it's one of those... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could I could give you an alternate description of it. Um, and, and, you know... I wouldn't use this description because it would be unfair in the same way that is. But career criminal fleeing from police, attempting to hide in a relative's backyard, refused to cooperate with law officers. And after they tragically mistook his cell phone for a gun, was shot. I mean, that's, but why would I do that? Because I'm trying to make a particular point. Anyway, we've received many, many emails and texts and and that sort of thing on this topic. Anything from, uh, here's a note, uh, we need to do something, yet no one agrees on a cause or remedy. We need to surrender to lawlessness. Or how about y'all stop breaking the law? No contact with law enforcement means no chance of being shot, etc. I think some people would point out that uh, uh, black folks are contacted by law enforcement, whether they want to or not, often just going about their business. So doing things that you might do and police are never called. Right. Yeah. Um, then you have uh, a uh, law student who sent along a statement by the their state's uh, Public Defenders Association that says, Stefan Clark is dead because we as a community and country value police lives more than the lives of the rest of us. 
particularly black and, black and brown men. Um, goes on to make that point. Um, I've I've often wondered because I've uh, I've locked myself out of my car about a thousand times in my life, and and uh, thereby have become an expert at getting into locked cars. I am really really good at it. Well, it's good to know you have options. You know when this thing goes kerblooey. But I don't know how many times I've been in a parking lot or somewhere trying to obviously break into a car with uh, you know some sort of metal rod or coat hanger or whatever. And, I, and I've never had anybody call the police on me or I've never had a police show up. Mm-hmm. If I were black and I were standing out there for 45 minutes trying to break into a car, I'm thinking the odds of someone calling the police and somebody coming by and saying, hey, what are you doing there? Goes way up. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Or one time I locked myself out of my uh, a dorm I was subletting in college and I spent it took me like three hours to break into that apartment because it was double dead bolted and everything like that I mean I had to practically dismantle the the door wow and the number of people that came by and said hey how you doing <laughs> nobody ever nobody ever called the police I'm wondering if I'm black does somebody at least call the police and say there's some guy breaking into an apartment you might want to check yeah I don't know I don't know Depends either on the hood I don't know either yeah I heard one uh, interview with uh, a lady uh, uh, African-American lady and I'm sorry, I don't use that term because I think it's strange. Uh, I, I know lots of African-Americans who are white people. They emigrated from Africa. But anyway, um, uh, this black lady, was uh, she was talking about, I think it was Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. And she lives in a predominantly white neighborhood. And her brother and her dad were coming over. And she, she joked that she wanted to go door to door and tell her neighbors, look, these two men are with me. Please don't call the cops and report suspicious characters hanging around the neighborhood. This is my brother. This is my dad. I doubt she made that joke completely out of her imagination. I think she there was probably some basis and experience for making that joke. And and I sympathize. You know, I hear now I hear people shouting in my imagination, well, black people commit crimes disproportionately. That's why that is. You know, there's some truth on that side too. And if we weren't just in the business of yelling at each other, we could all probably sit down and talk about this. But got this note from uh, the always uh, intriguing uh, Spencer, correspondent, frequent correspondent Spencer, who says, Dear hosts, I think you've been looking at the shooting of Stefan Clark from the wrong perspective. Uh, before I go further, I want to praise you guys for what you've done well. Uh, Bubba, you've done a good job of pointing out that race is a distraction. Stefan Clark was black. Shouldn't matter when there's no evidence. Police shot him because he was black. This is not a cop shooting black people problem. This is a cops shooting citizens problem. And you guys have done a fine job calling out the race baiters and professional protesters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Spencer, my only criticism of you, sir, is that your email is absolutely terrific, but it's so long. Anyway. You seem not to recognize that the controversy surrounding Stefan Clark's killing is not whether the individual police were in that specific moment justified in pulling the trigger. By current law, they certainly were. But that's exactly what is wrong. Current law. The controversy is that the police are way too casual in their use of lethal force and way too willing to shoot someone. And the law is tilted far too far in favor of the police over ordinary citizens. The controversy, in short, is that police would rather shoot and kill an unarmed citizen than risk their own lives. And the law supports the police. This is what people are or should be outraged about well this is what you are outraged about spencer a lot of people aren't but one al sharpton was not in town because of uh personal freedom yeah for all individuals and then but to resist we much and right. then to briefly summarize the argument before we launch into the discussion portion is uh, he quotes a sign from a protest that said, We live in a country where trained police can panic and act on impulse, but untrained citizens must remain calm when a police gun is in their face. 
That's uh, I, I've often wondered about that, man. You end up in a situation for whatever reason, some people are pointing guns at you. It'd be hard. to. How do I act to make sure I don't get shot here? When you're literally nah. so scared, right. you are probably soiling yourself. Yeah. And the wrong motion, or do you happen to have your phone in your hand? And, and knowledge of that, if that thought even crosses your mind, would make you more afraid. Sure. Um, so, again... It's like, un- the, I, I hate any time I see these videos, and I understand how this happens, but anytime you see the videos where they got somebody down and they're screaming at them, stop resisting, try that sometime. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody's got your arms behind your back... Their knee on your neck, and you try to just lay perfectly still so they'll stop doing that. Not easy. Virtually the entirety of talk radio and cable news is built on the idea that you come across a a question like this, and you immediately announce the answer, you bellow it at people, and you declare that anybody who disagrees with you is a bad American. Well, we're bad talk show hosts, because I think this is a really interesting and important question, and I'm not sure where I come down on it. It's complicated. We... We pay police to confront dangerous people all the time. That's what they do. So it's going to be different for police. The standards for what police do and when they do it in terms of deadly force and protecting themselves, etc. It is going to be different. But how different and in what ways is, is a question that societies, you know, they go back and forth and back and forth from Bobby's not having guns at all in, in Britain for the longest time. Now, now a lot of them do. Um, to a, a police state where people are beaten and tortured routinely to, you know, we're desperately looking for the sweet spot here in a society that's allegedly free, but we want to be at least reasonably safe and orderly. It's a tough nut. And then each individual's situation at the time, even if you have guidelines. Oh, right. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the guy gu- and, and great point. The guidelines are an attempt to make what is almost always a chaotic situation, less chaotic. But, you know, it's never going to succeed completely. Well, we've talked to police that they, they, they work with people that when they show up, things escalate because of just their manner. Um, and some people are good at de-escalating. I mean, there's just there's, there's a lot right. that would go on there. Let me hit you with a, a shot at you that I'm, well, it's not a shot. It's an argument. Jack particularly has made the point that if you are a cop and see someone in the dark with something in their hand, you don't have time to determine if it is actually a gun or not. You have to draw your gun and fire before the other person does. Um, Well, I would depart from his text and say, yeah, are you going to have a funeral for a cop in a lot of cases? Uh, But going back to the text, doing that requires shooting before you can be sure the other person does indeed have a gun and is intent on using it. This means police are justified in shooting Stefan Clark. This only makes sense if you value the lives of police officers more than you do ordinary citizens. Well, I would say again, Spencer, we pay them and they swear an oath to confront bad guys again and again. So it's, it is going to be unbalanced in their favor. The question is how much? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've heard some of the explanations from police in some of these shootings where I feel like they were uh, more concerned about their safety than the person that they were dealing with to an extent I'm not comfortable with. Right. Right. Way too much air to their side. Right. With is this person actually dangerous or crazy? Is there any other way to help? And, and then I, I hear, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to go home at the end of the day. Well, I, I'm, I think you took on a job where there's going to be some some opportunities where you, you have to take on danger the rest of us might not want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that's got to be that way. Yeah, it's a tough, t- 
tough nut to crack, though. Like oh, I sure. Said. Yeah. And it's completely, you know, you're judging 97% of communication is nonverbal. You encounter somebody, you're taking in all kinds of nonverbal information. Your brain is crunching stuff that you don't even understand on an animal level right. about how dangerous this person is and are they about to do this. And all that's going to happen sometimes in like two seconds. You come around the corner right, and there they are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a tough one. So there's going to be no self-righteous pontificating on this topic out of us because it's just too hard. But I think it's an important discussion to have. Now, here's something, and we'll continue the discussion. Here's something we can all agree on. Don Lemon of CNN is an idiot. And we'll have (laughs) tape of Don Lemon of CNN in a bizarre, argumentative interview with uh, Stevante Clark, the brother of the unfortunate young man. That's the guy that confronted the mayor of Sacramento? Yeah, and danced into the city council, jumped up on the desk, grabbed the he mic, He was confronting Don Lemon? Yeah, Don Lemon was interviewing him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to hear that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, I need a Tiger Woods update. How's he doing in the Masters? How did he do yesterday? Is he in the lead? Is he out? Did he break his leg? Did his back snap? He's officially lurking, Jack. He did not play himself out of it. He came a little close. I'm sorry. This is entirely yeah, the wrong tone of voice. tone of voice was all wrong. Me of all people. Yeah. I'm ashamed. Sean, to you. I'm Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Welcome to Augusta National, a tradition unlike any other. What do they got there, carnations? They're azalea line fairways. <laughs> all the way up through Amen Corner, where it is often decided. Tire Woods lurking hey. a couple strokes back. I am Jim Nance. All right. The birds in the background. Over to David Faraday on 17. If you say amen corner one more time, you'll be praying <laughs> I stop beating on your head. <laughs> Let's take a look at the leaderboard here, Jack. Uh, Tiger is, I gotta scroll down some. Woods, that's his name, right? He's tied for 28th at one over par. He trails the lead by seven strokes, but how, how is not out of it. What place you gotta be in to continue to play all weekend? I think it's the top 60 plus ties oh, or so something like that. He's in good shape right now. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely in it. Jack, they call Friday moving day. <laughs> okay. Because you move up or down the leaderboard, apparently, or something. Um, oh, oh, you hear that? That's a good shot oh, right there. Oh, that's way right. Look, look out! Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Somebody get a bucket. You're telling me I was blinded by Tiger Woods? This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, who knows? Oh, look out! <laughs> oh, it's oh, in the hole. It's in the hole. So, will he be... Diddly diddly. Is that it? <laughs> dilly dilly. Okay. Will he be trunk slamming or playing on the weekend? We'll find out this afternoon. Fantastic. From Augusta National. Either way, Perkis waitresses are ready. I'm not, Perkins, inter- I'm not interested enough that I even Googled it last night or anything. I just, I was gonna, I just wait till I come into work and I ask you. I understand. <laughs> All right, so on a uh, less whimsical note, Jordan Spieth uh, leads the thing, by the way. Mm. Ooh, boy. I assume he's a golfer. He <laughs> Can't put anything past you. It would be shocking if, it, if he weren't. On a much more serious uh, note, uh, back to the Stefan Clark shooting and some of the issues therein, uh, before we get uh, back to Spencer's argument, uh, which I'm going to pick apart at least a little bit, 
this is uh, Stevante Clark, the brother of the the, the deceased man, uh, talking to. Um, I called him an idiot. That's probably unfair. How about jackass? Uh, Don Lemon on CNN. Joining me now is Stefan's brother, Stevante Clark. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's tough, but we appreciate you joining us on this day today. I know it's even tougher because there was a wake hell for your brother, uh, Stefan. First, let me express again my sympathy here. How's your family holding up? How are you holding up? What does that mean? Next question. What was that? Okay. Um, obviously, you are in grief right now. And listen, I'm I, not I, in grief. All right. We haven't slept. We haven't ate. The media keeps following us everywhere we go. The only person that got the message, and that was just before we came on the air, was the mayor. He has called me and he said he's going to help us build the library and the recreational center. That's 24 hours. <sighs> I am. I am. So okay. the mayor said he's going to help you build he, a library? He growled at him. And a 24-hour recreational center for the kids. Yeah. For everybody. We love everybody. He's going to help me. He's going to be a part of it. You know what I mean? He's going to walk out. You know what? I'm not even going to address anymore. You know, just know that I'm going to be real connected. We're going to build. The, we're going to work with each other. We're going to work with each other. I love my city. I'm sack strong. I did all this for my city. We we are the example of how to do it right. What the media does, they wait till a loved one dies. They find out it's a tragedy. They swarm that person. Yes. They put them in grief. They ruin yes. their lives that, forever. That's what they try to do, yes. Their but, lives are never the same. Don Lemon, let me talk to my people, okay? Yeah. You black on black, let's be black now. Don't you do that down, Don Lemon. Well, we love I just want to tell start. you that. I just want to tell you that the media. Hold on, hold on. I'm not blaming the media. I'm not blaming. But the way you guys treat us. You guys, I told you I stopped calling out. We have, how many phones do we have in the family? Can you, can you let me get a word Seven, in, please? Because I, I, listen, I have to manage eight, the time here so that we can get something out of this interview because a lot of people are watching and you're, you're through the media, whether you like it or not, your brother's story will be told. The media is giving you a we platform. We love Stefan. I am. Yeah. Don Lemon, say his name. So tell me about your brother, please. Don Lemon, say his name. Nice. Stevante, uh, listen, you're in grief. I'm sorry for it, for that. He's not going to say how it is. We'll never do seeing it. You I messed up on our name. You sent our driver as well. And I, That's messed up. I thank we you so much for joining man. us. And Black my heart, my heart goes you, out for you. We thank love you. CNN. Thank you, thank guys. you, brother. Thank you. All right. So, what was the the bell? What, what I heard a bell. Next question. Did he bring a bell? He brought a bell. He reached over and hit the bell. He had a bell with him. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. He's a he's a quirky dude, Stevante, but he is calling for healing and and and, and mm-hmm. moving forward in a way that's kind of beautiful. Uh, so what he was trying to say is, we got seven phones and people are calling us constantly. Right. Yeah. And never you have a tragedy in your life. Never talk to the media. They are not going to make your life better. No way they make your life better. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump on the stump. He tears up the script and wings it. We'll get into that minutes from now. He actually tore up the script and threw it in the air. Yep. That's on the way next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you retired? We got a ton of texts about the uh, Stefan Clark shooting and what we said about it in the Don Lemon interview with Stefan's brother. Deadly force in general, how it's used, how it ought to be used. Yeah. 
I'll tell you, this is one of those issues that no matter what you say, you make a lot of people mad, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, Spencer, whose emails we've been reading, talks about uh, the police ought to say, uh, if you're not willing to take a bullet instead of shooting an unarmed person, you shouldn't be a cop. You should be ready to take a bullet. You know, and I should read his entire thing, but we don't have time. But I I just, I find that smug and unrealistic. I know the parents and widows of dead cops who waited to to shoot and got killed. And if you're constantly confronting bad guys, you've got to be on on your guard in a way that you and me and the guy over there and Spencer never is. What if if they have something in their hand that looks like a gun? You think it was a gun. Then are you allowed to shoot? They thought the guy had a gun. Well, according to this email, you have to verify it's a gun. Yeah, we wouldn't have any police if we did it that way. Right, exactly. It's just nobody would sign up for that job. Yeah. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump was supposed to talk at a West Virginia event yesterday about the benefits of the Republican tax cuts passed in December, but instead he literally tossed his prepared remarks in the air. It was going to be my remarks. It would have taken about two minutes, but I got how that would have been a little boring. A little boring. Right. Now I'm reading off the first paragraph. I said, this is boring. Come on, we have to, we have to say, tell it like it is. It, ah, that's a lot of why he got elected, that sort of right, thing. Absolutely right. After throwing the remarks up in the air, he started riffing on a number of topics, including illegal immigration, saying Democrats don't want to talk about some of the really unpleasant realities of the situation for illegals trying to get to America, referring to his remarks from his June 2015 campaign kickoff speech, in which he talked about some of these smugglers being rapists. Remember my opening remarks at Trump Tower when I opened? Everybody said, oh, he was so tough and... I used the word rape. And yesterday it came out where this journey coming up, women are raped at levels that nobody's ever seen before. They don't want to mention that. In People his- went berserko over that, of yeah. course. I bring you this Huffington Post article from 2014. Uh, this was from the Huff Post, so maybe you think they're lying. 80% of Central American women and girls are raped crossing into the United States. In Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're coming through Mexico from Central America. 80% of women and girls are raped in their trip across Mexico heading to the United States. That's rough. There is a horrifying problem with sexual assault in Mexico of various sorts. Well, Trump, is usual, he just he doesn't do himself any favors because of the way he phrases stuff. But it's absolutely indisputable that there's a horrific problem with rape in Mexico. And it's accepted in Mexican culture in a way that it's not in the United States. And that's troubling. But, you know, you got to be careful what you say. Oh, you're saying all Mexican people are rapists. No, if that's what I wanted to say, I'd say it. I'm pretty good at talking. In those remarks, Trump also uh, claimed illegal voting was continuing. A lot of times it doesn't matter because in many places... Like California, the same person votes many times. You probably heard about that. They always like to say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy theory, folks. Millions and millions of people. But he's got, I don't think he does himself any favor when he talks about the millions and millions of people voting illegally. Unless you got some really solid data on that. You're not doing yourself any favors. Millions and millions. That's a lot of illegal votes. Yeah, you make yourself sound like, you know, chicken little. If you would say thousands of votes, that is indisputable and let the research begin. 
And let's look at saying millions and millions gives the left media, which is most of the media, an excuse not to look into it. But again, he doesn't do himself any favors. Again, the uh, president also went after Democrats for being weak on immigration. Once again, going after Oakland, California's mayor, Libby Schaaf. How about the mayor of Oakland, where she tells a thousand people to get going? Law enforcement's coming to get you. And this was all planned, and many of them scattered. And it was pretty much a failure. Uh, I mean, to me, that's obstruction of justice. So again, he was speaking off the cuff yesterday at that appearance. I just like I'd like to be around any of his people yes. when he uh, tears up the script and throws it in the air and says, "Let's yeah. talk about immigration." <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! But he yeah. just starts drinking. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, yeah. Just texts their wife, "Not coming home tonight." Honey. Right? Yeah. yeah. As Facebook continues to deal with its privacy or data privacy scandal, the chief operating officer Cheryl Sandberg was saying Facebook would have to start charging users if they wanted to opt out of its data-driven advertising. Sandberg telling NBC that Facebook doesn't sell or give away information on users, but, quote, our service depends on your data, and if you want to opt out, you'd have to pay. You don't sell or give away information on your users? No, you monetize it. You sell, you sell, you literally sell that information to advertisers. Mm -hmm. That's how you make your money. And occasionally you let a Cambridge Analytica use it as well. Right. I saw Mark Zuckerberg speaking a bunch yesterday. Facebook stock went up. So, you know, apparently some people think they're writing their ship to a certain extent. And then that is it the CEO woman that also has been making the round speaking. The, The untold part of the Facebook story that will be in a movie or a book someday as we discussed last week, is the extent to which this took off on them in directions that they had no idea of or plan. They they have enjoyed pretending that it's like if you trip and fall down the stairs and roll over the railing with your and you and you land on your feet with your your beer in your hand and you you pretend like you did that on purpose. Right. I mean, the whole Facebook thing I think is a lot of that. Yeah. They pretended like it turned into one of the most important communication devices in the history of the world. Uh, yeah, that was my whole plan all along. Sure it was. Um, I think they were riding this tiger that just kept growing wildly out of control. They didn't know what it was. Until recently, they didn't. They didn't. They hadn't thought about some of the possibilities of it. I, I think that part of the story is really missing. At their home opener yesterday, the Minnesota Twins released a bald eagle. That was during the national anthem, and then after flying around a bit, it landed near the Seattle Mariners pitcher James Paxton. Then tried to land on his shoulder. James Paxton is on the mound today. This is what happened just a few minutes ago. National anthem. The eagle is like, hey. You- I thought you might have your arm out, and I thought it lands on his shoulder. Thank God. I mean, those talons have to be sharp, Ryan. He took that like a pro. I would have been scrambling all over the place. I would have been screaming. Tough (laughs) going when you're Canadian, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that guy was Canadian, playing America's pastime. The bald eagle was not having it. He was right. Take him up. Take him over the border. That eagle was squawky, our eagle. Go play some hockey. (laughs) Right. Get out. Let me see your papers, said the eagle. (laughs) That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation. Michael, ring the bell because school's in, suckers. <laughs> yes! <laughs> hey, so we've got that video at armstrongandgetty.com yeah. of the eagle landing on the pitcher. Yeah. On, the the on the Canadian. On the Canadian. And you would be terrified because that thing could yeah. remove your eyeballs. I'm surprised in a nobody second. took a bat to it. Well, in the second video that we have to have is uh, some baseball team had the gold medal uh, curling team. 
throw out five simul or four simultaneous first pitches. Hilariously inept. Absolutely <laughs> three stooges hilarious attempt really? to throw out the, the opening pitches. Uh, we'll have that uh, video for you at armstrongandgetty.com. Give us two minutes. I want to see that. Oh, it's hilarious. We've been too serious, so maybe I'll save this till later, but the New York Times with a great, really long piece on how ISIS did what they did, going through the treasure trove of uh, papers that they've taken from their headquarters as they've been driven out of these different places around the, the world. failing New York Times. It's really Please. interesting. Um, Do they I blame s- Trump? ISIS was a, a bigger, more organized thing than any of us even noticed. But that later, I suppose. I got this exercise vitamin thing that I think it's worth telling you about. You don't have to exercise as much as you think, which aren't we all glad to hear that? I know I'm very excited. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. When I'm the Armstrong and Getty Show. How about, um, I'm always nervous when we play this. I don't know why. Jimmy Kimmel did another unnecessary censorship (laughs) in which he bleeps things that don't need to be bleeped, and it turns out just being pornographic usually. Man up, Tinkerbell. These things aren't dirty. You're dirty. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. The whole system's dirty. Oh, wrong speech. Sorry. If (laughs) If this sounds pornographic, it's just because of your sick mind. Right. Maybe to normal people, this doesn't sound dirty at all. But here we go. What has happened over the last few weeks that has the president so afraid and so more f***ed up than we've seen him in over a year? He worked so hard on this event, and so I want to f*** you. They never give her any credit. They never give her her due. Not even on what's unquestionable. Does anybody doubt she's the most f***able first lady we've ever had? Someone needs to contain DiVincenzo. They need to f*** him, and they need to keep him off the dribble, Jim. Does wet rabbit smell like wet no, actually, rabbits uh, are practically hyperallergenic. <laughs> well, a fun fact there at the end. <laughs> oh, that's great. That <laughs> the one made me uncomfortable. Well, the one the, was uh, first lady. Yeah, well, yeah. and accurate. <laughs> what? I don't know. I never saw Mrs. Taft, but a <laughs> couple of health things for you. She liked big men. I'm much more knowledgeable about health than I uh, am a person that puts it into practice, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I read this stuff. I don't do any of it. Mm. Um, so for, I'll start with this, the vitamins thing. I've always I've been amused by this for years once I finally caught on to what's going on with the world of vitamins. Uh, tons of people take vitamins. The older you are, the more likely you are you take vitamins because you grew up like I did, where it may know is a big part of a bedtime routine. My mom giving us a Flintstone vitamin. Sure. There's Delicious, just, chewable. There's just there's just practically no need for anybody to take any vitamins. As one doctor pointed out in this New York Times piece, study after study have shown, it. you have to work at not getting the full range of vitamins in your diet. I mean, it's almost impossible, especially in the modern world. I've taken Even a multivitamin eat, for 50 years. You can. There's no, there's, there's, that's not going to hurt you any, but you don't need to. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Strong you, like bull. You get extra of everything, and then you pee it out. It's fine. It doesn't make any difference. Maybe worse. I enjoy peeing it out. They're really cheap. I mean, so who cares? It adds up to gazillions of dollars for the companies, but it's not much money. It doesn't hurt. Well, anymore. now my eye doctor was specifically concerned that I was getting enough one thing for my eyes. 
So he said you take the uh, the Centrum Gray or whatever. There you go. I mean, he's not a quack, but I don't doubt that this is true. I'm just I'm curious about that aspect. And then there's that. Yes. Oops. There's certain things like if that vitamins are like kale is a good example. There's some really good healthy things about kale, but if you don't want to eat kale, there are vitamins that can help kind of circumvent that. But I've also been learning more about just because something is in something doesn't mean it's bioavailable for your body to absorb. Yeah. So kale may be a better way to yeah. actually get the stuff into your body. As well, what is the kale council paying you? I'm just Stop using it, it as an example. One thing doctors point out in this particular New York Times article I thought it was interesting is we don't really understand the way vitamins interact with each other in various fruits and vegetables. Nobody understands it yet. So it might be the only way you can get the benefits is naturally from that. Not to mention that you're getting enough of it anyway. As mm. they point out, you'd have to really work at not getting enough of your vitamins every day. Mm. Even by eating your typical not good American meal, you're getting plenty of vitamins. Partially is because the various industries forced all these extra vitamins into everything. You know, mm. fortified with all these extra vitamins. Right, yeah. So even in crap food, you're getting tons of vitamins. You're as as this person points out, when you eat. Most stuff in America, processed food in America, it is a multivitamin. That's the way they were designed. How ah, interesting. Hot pockets. So, Sean, what's... Yeah, exactly. Who's your favorite kale? Mine's Kale Yarbrough, former uh, NASCAR driver. <laughs> oh, man, i got to think of a different kale. I'll get back to you. All right. But anyway, uh, as I mentioned, older people are taking them a lot. It's supposed to ward off various diseases. More than half of Americans take vitamin supplements. 68% of those are 65 and older. And there are, uh, there are no studies showing that it does you any good. Wow. Either take them or not. I don't care. Wow. I'm just telling you that. Wow. Shocking. Couldn't hurt. No, and it's cheap. So. And it's Yeah, it's very cheap. And my kids like the Flintstone vitamins. It's like having a little piece of candy. Maybe it's a placebo. And I walk around, you know, a little more uh, spring in my step because I think I'm healthier. So you feel like you need to get in your 30-minute workout or your 45-minute workout or whatever you did. There is yet another study out from the American Heart Association that shows that the 30 minutes of exercise you're supposed to get every day don't need to come in one chunk of time. It can just add up very short bursts of exercise all day long, like taking the stairs or all kinds of different things. They can add up to your 30 minutes of exercise. Take the worst parking space and walk there really fast. Yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Well, that's that's great. Absolutely. You know, great. it's it's better to get more exercise, but I think people have been discouraged by the idea if they don't yep. reach this magical threshold, they're not doing themselves any good. Sure. And the opposite is true. Every time you stress your heart, you've made you've done a good thing. I mean, stress is in exercise it. So do it. Yeah. I I I've I've you always the I've always tried to look at it that way. The I've got to park clear out here because it's busy. That's uh, good. I need to walk this yeah. far. It's not, Sometimes it's not I catch myself I... looking for that perfect spot. That, that's like the competitor in me, though. It's like solving a puzzle or winning a game. When I should, I should immediately head for the far corner and just hoof it. So lazy. What is it with people wanting to park next to other cars? What human need is that? I don't know, but I want to hit them. I don't have it. I won't hit them because I'm a peace-loving man. So I took the kids to the park the other day. Bikes in the back of the truck. We go to the park. We park in this giant parking lot. It's the weekend. It's near the school. The parking lot's empty. So I park in a spot. Nobody around. I come back. There's a car parked right next to me. So we can't get the doors open. And I, I said to my kids, I said, this is just people do this. This is a giant parking lot. There's spots way over there, way over there. There's spots right here. Yeah. Why would you park right next to me? I mean, what's going on in your brain that makes you do that? My kids couldn't get in their side of the car. They will remember that <laughs> rant probably for the rest of their lives. They brought do you it remember up first. the way Dad used to yell at people to park next to us? <laughs> Wasn't that funny? They actually brought it up first because they hate it when there's cars parked next to them because they're worried they're going to hit them with their door. Right. 
Um, That's those are good kids. <laughs> just, what what is in the human mind that makes you want to do that? I, you should have sought them out. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hi, I'm Jack Armstrong, radio personality, and I have a question for you. I remember one time in Montana. There is a there's something in our in our in our body that makes us like pack animals or something like that. Maybe that's it. But I remember one. I'm driving across Montana years ago, and I mean, there I'm driving for miles at like 110 miles an hour on my motorcycle because they didn't have a speed limit at that time. And there's I didn't I didn't see a car for I don't know how long. And I'm driving, I'm driving up and down these hills, beautiful day, day, and I come up over this hill, and I can see off in the horizon, I finally see my first cars, and there's two cars, and one of them is like six feet behind the other. <laughs> and I just think, what is going on with either one of those people? You gotta pass, or you gotta pull over, what's it right? Yeah. <laughs> just, that's the way we are. Yeah. There's one car in the parking lot, I'm gonna park next to it, it makes me feel safer or something. I can't stand people. My car's less of a target to get broken into, I don't know. if there's two, maybe they'll look at that car Strength. and break Numbers, exactly. Jen's Eric Gould from the Knife Media coming up. We're going to look at the big stories of the week and how the media handled and mishandled them. It's going to be a regular feature on the program. How incredibly efficient ISIS was at their peak. The New York Times with a great, long, in-depth article about that. I'll bring you some of the highlights. And if you didn't hear it earlier, you remember that idiot from Dr. Phil, the Catch Me Outside girl? We have her tour dates for you. Stay with us. (laughs) The Armstrong and Getty Show. Folks, trustworthy.